Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the EMG Health podcast. I'm your host Spencer Gore, CEO of EMG Health, and I'm joined by our special guest and for his third appearance on the podcast, Eiffel Pharma Chairman Paul Sims. How are you today, Paul? Very well, thank you. If you keep inviting me back, I'm going to think I'm actually quite good at this. <laughs> well, you're the, you're the record holder at the moment, so we'll, we'll keep going. Um, so it's been exciting times and a bit of a change for you. Uh, in October, Eiffel Pharma was acquired by Reuters. How do you think this acquisition uh, will grow Eiffel Pharma's capabilities going forward? Well, yeah, exciting times for us. We definitely feel like we've um, uh, entered a new era. Um, Reuters is... Uh, a company that has existed for 168 years really? and it's got a huge heritage it's got these very firm uh, trust principles integrity bias uh, freedom from bias even and independence and I, I and it obviously reaches billions of people literally every day and I guess um, I believe that we are moving from an era where we have historically been people centric we've 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 actually looked up to doctors we've increasingly looked up to even celebrities nowadays but we're actually moving to a new era where instead of sort of treating treating sort of people as the as the uh, authorities that they have been we actually treat information and data yeah. uh, as our new authority we actually believe the data more than we believe the doctor so I just believe that um, aligning with an organization that is is that puts information and data at the absolute pinnacle is a very um, important thing to do as we basically move into this this new era that we're moving to as an industry. Yeah. So I think it makes pretty good sense. Well, I guess the yeah the big data and the AI, it's just, computers don't make the same mistakes that humans. It takes out eliminates human human error, doesn't it? But it does leave the question as to the to the human touch to it, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, most people say that a combination of the two is the key going forward. Of course, it's proven more difficult than many uh, envisaged uh, initially, but yeah, I think it's also at the same time fairly safe to say we are entering this new era of datarism, as yeah. uh, some people call it. Uh, we started out, you know, believing in gods, then we started believing in people, now it's believing in data, uh, and that's just our human trajectory. Fantastic. And, and as a result of the, the uh, acquisition, will there be any changes to the 2020 Eiffel Pharma in Barcelona conference compared to previous years? Uh, well, it is shaping up to be an excellent event. It's bigger and uh, better than it's been before. We've got some really good sessions and we're going to have a Reuters specific session where Reuters journalists themselves are, are, are independently curating part of the event. Um, but actually, most of the exciting stuff is still to come. It's actually relatively early days since the yeah. acquisition, too early to really change the to change this particular event. I think we're more excited about uh, what uh, subsequent years will bring. Do watch this space. Fantastic. And at last year's conference, there was a big focus on prevention, uh, as outlined by Chris Sturkin's inspiring talk on the last day there. Do you know of any overriding themes that you'd expect to be present this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, prevention is key. I still believe it's very important. Um, uh, and Chris is a great, uh, and, and J&J are great uh, proponents of it. I believe that we are entering a very interesting era. I've, I've called the, um, the theme where pharma comes to life. Uh, and life is obviously giving life to patients, but it's also a more lifelike ecosystem, more complex and organic place. It's now yeah. stakeholder dependent, not just whether pharma can convince doctors. And our products themselves are also becoming more lifelike. We've moved from simple chemicals to biologics and now therapies that don't even resemble drugs. Uh, and they're really, you know, um, 
treatments rather than rather than, than drugs themselves. So I just think that um, we are becoming a much more sophisticated, rich, colorful, lifelike industry full of uh, the different nuances that we actually can enjoy uh, if we if, as long as we take it take it the right way. I believe that um, it's something we should celebrate actually is our evolution away from pharma I actually I actually think we shouldn't even call ourselves pharma companies anymore we should we should you should appreciate that we're part of a very rich tapestry of healthcare organizations yeah. and life sciences and and, and 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 we should be open-minded to providing patient outcomes to providing life in whatever way we can medicines or not and I guess that goes back to your original point, and it's it's the the, the sort of evolution that's taken place because of the data that's out there. So it's it, that's that's helping. Data us. is a huge part of it. Yeah. The more I think about it, actually, the more I think that the interoperability of data, the ability for us to actually use that data, is the most fundamental thing to the evolution of our whole industry. Yeah. And um, some of the difficulties, particularly in the U.S., of actually being able to to to, to use that data as well as we might wish to, is really holding us back. There was an interesting article in the Times this morning about the the, the wealth of data available to the NHS, but it's mm. just not in a usable place. At the Such moment. a missed, missed five opportunity. Five billion pounds a year to yeah. manage that data source because some of it's still paper copies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, interesting. So, on your previous podcast appearance, you emphasised the need for pharma to innovate um, clinical trials to improve the, the the dropout and failure rates. Mm. Have there been any notable uh, initiatives in this area over the last few months? Uh, there's no headline news. There is definitely progress. There's definitely a real migration of people towards this area. I think that um, a lot of talent is, is going into it at the moment. Um, I think that so much of it depends on regulators, of course, uh, and the regulators are actually stepping up, doing some great work, and I don't think we can use that as an excuse anymore, as a lot of people have done over the past. Uh, I think that um, we just need to keep the accelerator pushed down on this. We have not seen the... Uh, reductions yet in time and cost that we so need but we all know the potential is there mm. we just need to keep keep the medal on there's some very interesting ideas coming out that I hope will gain maturity soon fantastic um, in your uh, recent LinkedIn article the into farmers roaring 20s you were talking about the importance of farmer finding and communicating their purpose to allow the public to really believe and, and trust in the industry um, in what ways do you think this message should be delivered and how should it differ from the way farmer have traditionally communicated their purpose? Yeah, um, I feel that the average farmer CEO considers external communication to be more of a liability than an opportunity. Yeah. And I think that there's very few that actually see it the other way around. I believe that the job of the farmer CEO nowadays, if it is to build trust, if it is to enable this more sophisticated ecosystem, to be, you know, to actually happen, to for, uh, trust is obviously a huge component of that. I think that we have to look more human. I think we have to be more open. I think we have to do what uh, some of the pioneers in tech companies have done, where they, you know, um, try and uh, give us a vision for the future, give us some ideas of what the future could look like. I think that should be an essential part of the role. And for very few people, it is right now. So I guess I'm on a little bit of a mission right now to try and get these leaders to inspire us and not just us within the industry but us outside the industry as patients as to what might be possible in healthcare as opposed to just talking about product announcements and what's happened in the past. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a really good point. I think that, that there's probably a really clear purpose within the pharma companies and I think that's 
nearly always communicated fantastically well within the company. But when it comes to that external communication, it's it's always been a bit of a damage limitation, and you know, let's yeah. not share this vision. Whereas you need to get everyone to buy into it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. companies are super opaque. We hide behind our corporate logos. We don't show human faces. Uh, I see plenty of examples from people in regulated industries uh, outside that that have have actually taken this in a far better direction. I think there's a lot we can learn from them. Brilliant. Um, you were suggesting that farmers should start developing services to administer, administer sorry, uh, care in addition to developing the treatments this decade. What would you see as the first steps uh, of, of that, that happening? Uh, yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, cell and gene therapy has been sort of the um, area, and Novartis' latest results show that it's actually been quite profitable for them uh, already. Uh, it's it's sort of the, the 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 key thing that seems to be gaining a lot of traction right now. But let's be honest with you, hospitals, doctors, they do not know how to deliver these very complex and new treatments. They're obviously uh, already up against it in terms of time and resources. So it makes perfect sense that pharma companies are going to actually uh, take a more active role to ensure that patient outcome, particularly as so many of these uh, products have been launched on value-based agreements where they only receive the revenues if the patient indeed has the outcome they seek. Yeah. So it stands to reason that pharma needs to get involved in services. I'm surprised that even some of the leading players haven't yet uh, organized, uh, for example, you know, clinics and, and their own sort of uh, service centers that, that could uh, fulfill a real gap here. Um, but there are third parties that are looking to get in on that now yeah. already. Uh, but um, yeah, it's it's uh, an area that that pharma needs to improve on. So how do we get there? Attitude, I think, being more open-minded and realizing that it is possible for a pharma company to move beyond the product-focused mindset and move into a service uh, mindset, be more open-minded. Obviously, many of the Beyond the Pill initiatives are the f precursors to this, but I think it requires a, a, a different way of thinking. And something we were talking about earlier, maybe some sort of accreditation for them all as well. Indeed, <laughs> maybe. Watch this space. Um, if you had to choose one single thing uh, for the industry to focus on uh, over the next decade, would that be it? Or was, is there anything else out there that you think may be more important? I think, I think the point that I've been trying to make in that article and, and since is that whilst um, the 2010s were remarkable from a scientific point of view, and the 2020s will be remarkable from a scientific point of view, that science isn't going to slow down. The emphasis for this next, de next decade needs to be on the system rather than simply the product. None of this amazing technology uh, that we've been able to create, and when I say technology, I'm talking about these new treatments as well, uh, they're not going to get to the patients. The, the prices are going to be too high. The, uh, the, the access is going to be too low unless we actually focus on the system innovation, which I believe is, can be just as impactful as the next new wonder drug. Yeah, okay. Fantastic. That's great to hear. Um, I'm afraid that's all we've got time time for this week. Um, look forward to joining you in Barcelona at the next conference on the 31st of March to the 2nd of April. Um, and we're, we'll be reviewing that in the, the next edition of Gold that comes out just after that. So thanks for joining us, Paul. Good to have yep. you in as ever and speak to you soon. It's going to be great. Thank you so much.